God, I mean, we said it when we sang that song. We want you, and we want you, and we want your message and everything you have to say this morning. So speak to us. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The story is told of Franklin Roosevelt, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House. He complained that no one really paid any attention to what was said. One day, during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. To each person who passed down the line and shook his hand, he whispered, I murdered my grandmother this morning. The guests responded with phrases like, marvelous. <laughs> Keep up the good work. We are proud of you. God bless you, sir. It was not until the end of the line, while greeting the ambassador of Bolivia, that his words were actually heard. Nonplus, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, I'm sure she had it coming. This week, I came across a, a little book published in 1994. The title of the book is, is called, Shh, Listen, Don't Just Hear. I don't know what God was trying to do when I came across that book, but the author says that most of us hear okay. However, very few of us listen well. The irony is that the listening is the most used communication skill and the least taught in school. It is by far the most valuable communication skill in the business world. Hearing is the first in a six-step hierarchical listening process. All six must be done for the message to be received the way the sender wants it to be. Hearing means only that your ears are absorbing sound waves. Listening, on the other hand, also involves interpreting, evaluating, understanding, responding, and remembering. I think all of us need help on this department. If you're involved in a relationship, if you work with other coworkers, if you have employees, you deal with customers, patients, if you're a parent and have kids, you need help in this department. I think all of us can relate on Friday, as I was preparing for my sermon, I am um, typing the manuscript. My wife called me, and I'm talking on the phone and typing at the same time. I asked her how her day was, and she's telling me it was busy. She had to see patients for lunch instead of going out with her coworkers. Um, she decided to go to the gas station and put some gas in the car. Uh, then go, she went to lecture, went back to the hospital, saw more patients, and now she was driving back, and she was so excited to be coming home. And towards the end of the conversation, I said, um, so did you go to the gas station and put some gas on the car? She said, did you listen to my conversation? I'm like, I think all of us can relate. We need some help in this department. And for that reason, Jesus, when he began to teach in the book of Mark chapter 4, he said, the first words he said, listen. In the Greek word, he was sending a command. He was sending an order. Pay attention. What I'm about to say, it's important. I need all of you, 100%, to pay attention. 
listen. Chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says that he told the crowd, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the bird came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell in good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. First of all, let me remind you that Jesus is going through an awesome time in his ministry. He's pretty popular. He's like a celebrity being chased by fans and paparazzis. I mean, not even the Beatles, Bono, U2, Lady Gaga could like, you know, could have that many people following them. In fact, anywhere Jesus would go, there was always a crowd. Imagine Jesus goes to Starbucks. Everybody's there. He goes to Costco. Everybody's there. Goes to the gas station. Everybody's there. Goes to 24-hour fitness. Everybody is there. The Bible says in one occasion, he went to the lake. I'm sure he was just going to hang out with his friends, his disciples. Maybe they were going to grill some veggie tofu and, I mean, just have a good time. And suddenly, a large crowd showed up out of nowhere. Almost like if people are twittering or putting on Facebook, Jesus is at the lake. <laughs> the Bible says that, chapter 3, verse 9, because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him. To keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Popular. Not even rock stars had this many people following them. At this point, we're not exactly sure if people are just hanging out with Jesus because he's free health care. Or, or because he's free fish tacos. We, we're not exactly sure if they're following him because of his teachings. All we know is that there are large crowds every time Jesus comes to town. For that reason, Mark on chapter 4, he says again, verse 1, Jesus began to teach by the leg. Surprise, the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Must have been a scene. All the fishermen just like, dude, who's, dude, who's that crazy rabbi with all the people following him? Everybody's just watching Jesus and trying to understand what he was saying. Verse 2, he says that he taught them many things by parables. Now, you know what a parable is. You grew up hearing the parables. We preachers sometimes, that's all we preach, parables. In fact, one of the parables that is most uh, common or well-known to us is the parable of the sower. If you pay attention, you're going to understand that the emphasis of this parable has nothing to do with the sower, with the farmer, or the seed. It has all to do with the soil. In fact, some commentaries suggest that we should change the name to the parable of the four kinds of soil. Jesus spoke to them in parables. And this morning, I ask you once again to listen to this parable. He said in verse 3, listen. 
a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him what? Hear. Wow. And then suddenly, you keep reading chapter 4, there's an interruption to the narrative. Verse 10, the Bible says that they are alone. But they're really not alone because at this time Jesus is teaching. It's just that Mark is writing it and he doesn't care about like which, you know, which time he puts, you know, whatever the verse. He's just writing things and, you know, later on you're going to find out he's writing more parables. And, but but verse, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 33, the Bible says that with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but... When he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. And maybe after the teaching, maybe after the evening supper, they hang out, the disciples, that included men and women, and they asked Jesus, so tell me about this parable. Jesus said, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that, he quotes Isaiah, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. When I studied the passage, I was having a hard time with these words from Isaiah, but then I went to my Greek professor, Dr. Bernard Taylor, who is a pastor in the university church here in Loma Linda, he explained to me that there's a little bit of irony and frustration from Jesus. He's saying, you know, I've been saying all these things. People are not paying attention. So no matter what I say, they're not going to listen. So I'm using parables so people could be entertained by the stories. And the true disciples will actually seek for the meaning. So there is a code that he wants his disciples to get. Now, obviously, they didn't get it because chapter uh, 4, verse 13, the Bible says that Jesus had to tell them, don't you understand this parable? This reminds me, when I was uh, in fifth grade, it wasn't a, a long time. It wasn't like Dr. Bob's time. Uh, but it, it was a few years ago. We had a couple T-Rex in the school and a dinosaur. That's how old it was. But uh, I remember I was in fifth grade, and my friends and I, we, we thought we were so cool. We wanted to talk about people. We wanted to talk about our classmates. We wanted to talk about our teacher. And so we decided that we were going to communicate by notes. But then we got scared. If people find our notes, they're going to find out we're talking about them. So we decided to create our own language. And so we, we created our own alphabet using numbers and letters. And sometimes we would write like an entire page just for one sentence. We would spend the entire day trying to find out the meaning. And towards the end of the day, we'd be like, hey, dude, can you just tell me what you wanted to say? It was frustrating. We'd just stick to the regular alphabet. Um, in this case, 
Jesus, it's, it's just kind of frustrated. He's like, dude, it's not working. The parables are not working. Don't you understand? How then will you understand any other parable? And then he says, the farmer sows the word. And he begins explaining. Now, before we, we read about what Jesus said, let me, let me suggest to you that, that you know, um, before you find your category, before you find out, oh, I, I belong to this category, I'm, I can identify with this kind of soil, let me suggest to you that this could relate um, to all of us in different times of our lives, and it has to do with all kinds of believers, not just people who are not from church. Most of the time you said, oh, we're fruitful, we're in church, I'm a seven-day Adventist, third-generation Christian, I have a ministry. But all of us at some point have heard God talk to us. Now we respond different. And let me suggest to you that God is speaking to us on a daily basis. He's trying to communicate what to do with your kids, what to do in a relationship, what to do with your finances, with your job. He is speaking constantly. He does it. He's doing it through the prophets, through the ancient stories in the scriptures. He's doing it through the life of the son, Jesus Christ. He's doing it through nature, through science, through art, literature, music, and people. He loves using people. So remember, God is trying to communicate to you. It's just not a one-time deal when you get baptized. It's every day when you wake up. The farmer sows the seed. Some people, some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away. Away the word that was sown in them. Some people, you know, they, they think, well, we have it. We have it all together. We've been in church. We don't need any more revelation. We got the truth. We, we don't need anything else. We don't need more advice. I have a degree. I have experience. I have my finances in order. I have it all together. Jesus is saying, I'm trying to communicate with my people, but some people are saying, I got it. And they are like the seed that fell on the path. The ground is hard. People have been stepping on it. It's not receptive. And because of that, the birds take the seed away. The enemy takes the truth away from them. Then he says in verse 16, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. These are the kind of people who get it. They're excited and they're like, woo, let's do it. But just for a short period of time. Now, I, I don't have any kids, and I can't be like Pastor John, you know, giving illustrations based on my family. But I have a puppy, and, and I don't know if that counts. <laughs> Can I talk about my puppy? Anyway, he's a Boston Terry, eight-month-old Boston Terry, indoor dog. We live in an apartment, and we, we've been trying to train him. And, uh, you know, I watch the National Geographic. I... I like to think that I'm Caesar Milan and the dog whisperer. So, you know, once in a while I'll come and train the dog, tell him what to do, what not to do. And in one occasion, I'm, you know, I'm just working from home and then suddenly my dog gets my shoe. One of my brown shoes and, and he's just kind of like biting it and just smelling all the, I don't know, it smells like cheese or something. But he's just, he's having a blast. When I finally noticed, I said, Shh. you know, I tried to be like, assertive, calm, you know, the pack leader. My dog is just looking at me like, what's up, you know? And so I, I tell him, you know what, stop. He didn't stop. So I remember that I read that Cesar Milan recommends grabbing a newspaper or a paper that is kind of noisy that we can, 
you know, just kind of used to wake up and to distract the dog from doing what they're doing. So they can connect the dots that punishment is coming their way. So I grab a newspaper, make the noise, I approach him, and I gently smacked him. And he was submissive. His ears were back, and he left the shoe. I'm like, yeah, baby, watch out. <laughs> dog whisper, too. A dog whisper from Cali Mesa. So, uh, um, you know, I turn around, and as soon as I turn around, I thought my dog had it all together. He goes back to the shoe. He's just like, ah, thinking it's an In-N-Out hamburger, and he's just chewing that puppy away. And I'm just like, no, no, Oakley, we just had a conversation. We just talk about this. So I have to grab the newspaper again, make the noise, and then smack him. He's just all submissive. He understands. He, see, he looks so sorry. If he could talk, he's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I walk away, and as soon as I walk away, he goes back for the shoe. A third time I came with a newspaper, a fourth time he did it again. I finally put the shoe away. <laughs> I'm like, you don't get it. The Bible says, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Let me remind you that this, this story took place somewhere in the three years of ministry. However, it was not written until 40 years later. 40 years later, by that time, the church in Rome, the Christians are feeling that the emperor is persecuting them, chasing them around, killing them. And so they are concerned that if their numbers are not growing that they suddenly, you know, something is happening. They're not sure if they should share the word of God because when they share the word of God, people have to accept, confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And because of that, many of them have to be thrown in jail, killed, crucified. And the church is not sure. Not sure. So Mark is thinking about them when he is writing. He's saying when trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is a little message to the, to the early church, the persecuted church in Rome. But I think all of us can relate. All of us have been there. We understand that God is calling us to do something. He's communicating his message, not just to be a Christian, but to do something, to say something, to stop doing something. And then that was just the beginning. That's just during the weekend. During the week, well, we got to go back to regular business. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When there's opposition, troubles in our lives, then we say, ah, never mind about the word. Verse 18, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is a part where I struggle. As a Christian, I understand I'm not, I'm in the world, but not from the world. I think all of us can relate. We got to get a job, pay rent and mortgage, have a car, because uh, the bus sometimes so slow. So, you know, um, you know, it's got to exercise, you has got to go to school, you know, all these things from the world that you got to take care of, but we're not in, you know, so it just gets confusing. And what Jesus is saying is that some of us get so caught up 
in everyday life that we forget what he is communicating to us. For a reason, he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one, no one can serve two masters. Either he or she will hate the one and love the other, or he or she will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and the world. You got to choose. And some of us Christians struggle in the world, but not from the world. This message for us, like the seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Last, verse 20, he says, others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Wow, that's pretty cool. Look, 30, 60, or even 100 times. Somebody can talk about, well, it's, it's only one-fourth of the seed. It's only 25%. You know, 75% were wasted either by the farmer for not planting or, or just because the soil wasn't ready. Only 25% was fruitful. But that 25% was so fruitful, 30, 60, or even 100 times. Again, this message is an encouragement for the early church. After all the persecution, after all the hard work, all the time and effort they have put in in spreading the seeds of the gospel, what Mark is reminding them is that Jesus says eventually something will happen. Some of you are praying for your kids who have left the church. You have worked years and years trying to educate them, take them to Christian school, do this and the other, send them a Sabbath school lesson, and it seems like there is no fruit. Eventually something will happen. It might take some time and effort, but eventually Jesus likes to concentrate on this part of the parable. When the seed fell on good soil, uh-oh, watch out. 30, 60, and 100 times. Wow. Fruitful. Now, uh, when Pastor John assigned me this text, I read it and I'm like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Jesus gave the parable and the meaning. Let's just read it and pray and go home. You know, and then I thought about, well, I don't even know anything about farming. I just grew up in the city. I don't know anything about plants because every plant I get, they just kind of dry you know, my father-in-law, when I first got engaged, he gave me all these beautiful plants on this pot so we can just put them in our house whenever we got married. And before our wedding, they were all dead, you know. <laughs> if you go to my house, they're just sitting in the balcony, all these empty, dirty pots, you know. We don't know what to do with them. I, you know, I'm looking at this parable, and I'm like, I don't know anything about it. Jesus said it all. He packed it well. The message is there. But all I want to do this morning is just ask you, what kind of soil are we? As a church, as individuals, as a family, God is speaking to us. He's telling us what to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go. He is guiding our lives, our relationships, things that are important to us, our finances, our businesses, our careers, everything. The question is, what kind of soil are we? What kind of hearers are you and I? Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him what? Hear. Should we pray? God, we believe you're speaking to us. You're inviting us to be part of the kingdom of 
God here on earth. Now we just ask you to help us to be like the good soil, receptive to those words. Um, we've seen the example of two young men who they have decided to be receptive. Help us to do the same in our daily basis. We pray this in your name. Amen.